We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is Friday, February 2nd here in 2024, and the end of season press conferences held by John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta just came to an end a short while ago from one winning drive. So as promised, we're going to give you everything that we just learned, our instant reactions, our takes, our analysis coming up right now. I'm Bobby Trossett, Sarah Ellison, my co-host, as always, alongside. And here we go. We might as well start right at the top, right, with with the rushing attack or the lack thereof that we've spoken so much about throughout this week, just six combined carries for the running backs on Sunday against the Kansas city chiefs. And right out of the gate, uh, the first question posed by ESPN's Jamison Hensley was exactly that. Here's Harps. That's not the number you want to have when it's all said and done. You look back on it. That's not really going to win us an AFC championship game for sure. Uh, It's more than just calling plays. You know, we had, in that game, a big part of our game plan were RPOs, which are run-pass options, based on what the defense gives you, cans and check-with-me's, which are run-pass options a lot of times. Sometimes they're pass-to-pass, which we had. Sometimes they're run-to-run. But a lot of what we were doing was directed at the line of scrimmage by what the defense gave us. And the defense was lined up to take away the run. So you, you, the next thing would be to bring it in tight and, uh, and just run the ball at heavy formations and, and wide receivers blocking the edge and protecting the edge that way. We could have done that, but we were down. So we wanted to keep the formations open and give ourselves the best chance to, you know, try to move the ball and score points. Two-minute offense at the end of the half, two-minute offense mostly throughout the whole fourth quarter we were in. That's going to take away rushing attempts. So uh, it's not, you know, an excuse. You want to run the ball more. Sometimes you've got to be willing to get big and run the ball that way. We just didn't want to do it that way in the game, and it, it cost us the opportunity to run the ball more. So should we play the second part of that clip before we go into full analysis from, yeah, sure. from that? Because yeah. the second question was, okay, look, you had two drives that were, you know, turnovers and deep in Chiefs territory, right? And then obviously from a time of possession standpoint, the Chiefs, and especially in the first half, just dominated. So did that force you, John, to go away from the run? And here's what he had to say. You could say it did. It put us in two minute at the end of the half, which you're going to be in anyway if you get the ball back. We played that well. We got the two-minute opportunity, and it put us in two minute in the fourth quarter. So I think that's where it came up as far as run pass play calling. We still wanted to play. We still want to stay with our, our, our game plan. We still wanted to run the ball. I mean, believe it or not, it was a big part of our game plan to run the ball. Had the ball for nine minutes in the first half. So those two long drives, it took us out of opportunity to call any kind of plays. 
and then we didn't convert. You know, we had we had mistakes. We had they stopped us. They made plays. We were off the field right away after that first drive. So I think all those things kind of played into it. Second half, we come out, we go three and out. You're not, you're not get a chance to call any kind of runs when you're three and out. Uh, we got the ball back. We started moving the ball. Then we made a couple mistakes. You know, we had penalties. Uh, we we had an opportunity to score that we didn't finish the play on. You know, and those things took us out of scoring opportunities and kind of wasted a couple drives there when it's all said and done. Then you're in a passing game at that point after all that happens. So I think when you look at the way the game played out, you can understand it from a football perspective. But once you get through all that, you come back, you want to run the ball against the Chiefs. There's no doubt about it. And we did want to run the ball against the Chiefs, and we weren't able to get to it. Okay, Sarah, your initial thoughts? All right, so (laughs) at the end of the day, he is saying what he said on Sunday after the game. That's how the game went, right? That is essentially what he's saying when he's saying we had the ball for nine minutes in the first half. And we were in two minute at the end of the second quarter. We were in two minute for the entire fourth quarter. Um, you know, he talked about not being able to convert all that kind of stuff. So it was a more detailed version of him saying that's how the game went, which 100% is not satisfying, right? It's no. just, it's just not satisfying. The second thing that was new, however, and, um, he, what he was trying to say is like, look, the running game was a big part of the game plan. There was, the, it was, there was how the game went, one thing. The second thing, it was the way they wanted to run. Okay, so he said they had a ton of RPOs, cans, and check with me's. So he's not throwing Lamar under the bus whatsoever, but those decisions are in Lamar's hands. And so he's saying... Um, based off of what the defense was showing, it, it, he says, then it's decided what you do. Well, who decides that it's Lamar Jackson at the, at the line of scrimmage, which is what you want. You want Lamar to be able to make those decisions. He's, uh, you know, one of the best players in the league, if not the best. Um, uh, although there's the Mahomes guy out there, but yeah. we've talked so much all year. We've actually talked about it for years, how Greg Roman didn't empower Lamar enough and so what he's saying is that for if we wanted to, like, he's saying if we were, like, worried in our minds, oh, crap, our running backs only have so many runs, then he's like, yeah, we could have changed how we approached the run, gone heavy, right? So what he's saying, instead of spreading out, which is what the Ravens have done all year, and I remember since Todd Munkin came in, We've talked about how many times did you and I say on the show that they're going to like attack every blade of grass, right? A hundred yards long, 53 feet wide, whatever the exact measurement is. And so he's like, we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to be like, okay, well, we got to get a running backs more runs. And the only way to guarantee that is if we go heavy and not do these RPOs, cans and checks with me. So that, that part is new. And, and I still, um, at the end of the day, what's happening for the probably third playoff berth in a row, like I kind of take the Tyler Huntley year out of it because they ran plenty and you're going to do that because it's your backup. But it's like the third playoff berth that the Ravens got dictated to. And at the end of the day, that's what the problem is. Yeah. Like, like you sit here and you listen to him talk about it and it's like, okay, you know, like there was logic behind it. There were reasons for it, this and that. Yes. But at the end of the day, 
when you get up in these playoffs and you're you're going up against smarter defensive coordinators or better def- and this was not a better defensive team in the run attack, right? It was in the passing attack. You once again allowed yourself to get dictated to. And that's really the problem at the end of the day. It's not that you just like lost. It's that you don't look like yourself for the third time. Yep. And and he did talk about that, by the way. He's like, I get that. That's a fair criticism. And, and to me, that's the biggest thing. So point being, I still put, it's still, the game plan didn't work. There really weren't much adjustments. So you put that on, on, on the uh, coaches. And and you can't necessarily absolve Lamar, right, in all of this because he is making the call. So if you're super upset, like he's making the calls of who's going to get the, the ball at the line of scrimmage and he has the option to run in this and that. And so you either, like, trust those judgments or you question them. It's whatever you want to do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, but we've seen and heard this before and it's on you, John Harbaugh, to get it changed and so that's why at the end of the day, like as, as logical as the explanations sound, it's like just stop getting dictated to in the playoffs. That's yep. the ask. Doesn't matter what the reason is. Doesn't matter what the explanation is. That's the job. Stop getting dictated to in the playoffs. Have a counterpunch. Have right. a counterpunch. Don't let them dictate the way that you are going to run your offense. And that's what we watched unfold. And that's what we've watched unfold too often in these do or die situations. Here's more from Harps. I'm telling you, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. The fact that we didn't win that game at home uh, in front of our crowd for the first time, you know, in all these years and get a chance to play in the Super Bowl because I felt the same way last year. I felt like if, we'd have, if we hadn't, you know, messed, not, 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 not finished the game last year, made the mistakes last year that cost us the game against the Bengals, I feel like we'd have been in the Super Bowl last year. I believe that with all my heart. I've told the guys that. They know that. Uh, so I think that's normal and natural. Our fans care. They care just as much as we do as coaches, as players. I have to believe that. And uh, we all should be feeling that way. But we all should be excited about where we're going, you know, and what's in front of us and what we're building here. And then we're challenged by the things we've got to overcome. You know, there's always, there's always things that you lose and you've got to make up for and find a way to even improve on. We did a great job of that last year. I hope we can do even better this year. You know, in order for the fan base to have that almost like confidence instilled or that optimism that he's sort of asking for there at the at the tail end of that clip you know you want to come out from one of these end of season press conferences with something to hold on to and um it's a 50 minute thing by the way that eric and they're fielding questions taking questions for 50 minutes 50 straight minutes from reporters and i think every single year if there's one thing that's kind of common with these types of formats is that there's not a lot of concrete um what's the right way to describe it as a fan i don't think you often come away from these end of season press conferences having clarity right maybe there's some areas of clarity but to say that we now have clarity or you feel good that next year if they're in a very similar situation you know will you feel good that they won't you know, that they will have a counterpunch, that they will allow the game to come to them, that they will have, you know, an opportunity to respond back when when the opponent punches you in the mouth first. I don't know. I, I wonder, I'd love to gauge the live chat right now. How are you guys feeling about what you just heard for 15 minutes? You know? Well, as you look at that, just to, just to like, to your point, to me, I felt like I got clarity. It's not that there's no clarity. It's that you, it, 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 like, 
like I, I 100% have clarity of why Harbaugh made the decisions that he made because he made them very clear to me. They didn't want to go heavy. They didn't want to dictate that. They wanted to keep spread. They wanted to keep the decision. So there's clarity for sure. I'm the, talking about clarity for for next year. Though. Right, and he can't give that, right? No, no, like no but you, I'm asking there's you. Nothing, there's nothing he could have said no, no, no. that's going to make anybody feel better today. The only thing that would have made people who are upset with Harbaugh happy is if they, the Ravens moved on from Harbaugh. And that's the other thing that, like, wasn't spoken here, but it, it's because it was unspoken that it's crystal clear that there wasn't even a discussion oh, yeah. about whether he would be the head coach. And that's why yeah. I said, that's why I said in one of our episodes this week, there's a gulf between what how fans feel about Harbaugh and how Steve Bashotti. But not only Steve Bashotti, you'll notice not a single reporter even asked if his seat might be warm. And and I'm not and I'm not implying that they should have, because that's not where I stand. But Seeing that we're online all day and we we interact on Twitter, we interact here on YouTube, we interact everywhere. We know how people are feeling. And so, but that should be an indication to fans and it's probably going to tick them off, especially those that are over John Harbaugh. It's an indication not only to Steve Bashotti coming off of an AFC championship game uh, at home that he feels good about his head coach, but not even like the more edgy reporters like... Um, Jerry, right? Like not even him, not even him. Was there even like a hint of like, will his seat be warm? And I think that's an indication that even reporters are like, I wouldn't even ask that because you just had a coach that, that put together the, the best um, that led a, a team that, that went, that had the best record in football and went to the AFC championship game. So even the most edgy and pushback reporters didn't even like touch that topic. And so, um, and I'm just saying all of, the, all of that to set expectations for fans out there that are completely unsatisfied. Like we're to the point where like even the most edgy reporters didn't even hint at it. Yes. And that absolutely deserves to be mentioned because just because that conversation's being had in social circles, Right. Doesn't mean that it's anywhere close, anywhere remotely close to being had at one winning drive. Right. right. And so we've seen we've seen that unfold with this week's events, the Mike McDonald hire uh, by by Seattle. Right. The the opportunity to promote Zach or um, everything that was discussed today. It's it's crystal clear. Right. So if there is some clear to get full circle here, if there is some clarity, it's that John Harbaugh is going to be back for a 17th season in Baltimore. And right. he's the second longest tenure head coach now, given all the changes Behind Mike Tom. Now, here's something to watch, though, Bobby. So Steve Bashotti historically doesn't like his head coaches. Um, he's, he said this before. He, he doesn't like his coaches playing on the last year of their contracts. Harbaugh in 2020. I guess I better look this up. Because I was about to say 2025, but it's going to be the 2024 season. So let me look While up. While you do that. Yeah. Well, you do that because, and and yes, the lame duck, right? The lame duck coach right. is not something that he believes in. Why you do duck that? Coach, that's exactly the, the, the right. phrase he uses. Thank you. Right. Which is why, Mike, there were so much questions. There were so many questions in Pittsburgh over the last couple of months as their season came to a screech, screeching all about what Mike Tomlin's future could be. 
Let's get into this while you look that up. Harbaugh talked about the Mike McDonald hire, who's the newest head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And then the second part was Zach Orr hiring him internally, an internal promotion for their former linebacker, who's going to be the new D.C. this upcoming fall. Would have loved to have kept Mike, but no, we couldn't keep him. He was going to go take that job. He was happy and excited about it. And, you know, we're happy for him. I mean, when these things come up, these are these are these are good things. These are good problems to have because, you know, you're doing well. And uh, Mike, Mike did a great job. I think the whole defensive staff was phenomenal this year. The players were phenomenal. Um, it's kind of interesting. Everybody talks about how talented we are, and I agree we were super talented, thanks to Eric and George Kokinas and all those guys over there in terms of some of the veteran players they put in. But that wasn't the conversation before the season, as you all well know. And I think, I think that defense you know, proved something to a lot of people. Same conversation that was had two years ago. You know. It wasn't the same one everybody was talking about at the end of this season with Mike moving on. So I'm proud of that. I mean, that's something that, as a coach, you look back on and you go, man, we worked together, all of us, to build something really special uh, as a team. But talking about the defensive side of the ball on defense, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. And the opportunities are going to happen. Uh, Denard's got an opportunity now to go be the defensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Zach has an opportunity to be the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. The raising tide raises all ships. And those are, those are pretty good jumps for those three guys, and I'm excited for them. But with Zach specifically, and, and, and not just Zach, okay, the, the guys that are here, you know, Chris Hewitt, who's our, our past defense coordinator, Anthony Weaver, who runs the whole front, you know, and does a great job with the pass rush, does a great job with the run defense. He's also my assistant head coach, phenomenal leader, uh, was interviewing for head coaching jobs already this year. Those guys, along with Zach and the guys that we had on defense and some of the younger coaches that are already here, including Chuck Smith, uh, those guys are going to build another great defense. And I'm going to be in the middle of it, just like I'm in the middle of the offense and the special teams. But I'm going to lean on those guys and trust those guys and empower those guys to build a great defense. Zach is super talented, super enthusiastic. He's very smart. He is prepared for that job. He's in the middle of the defense. I think when you're a linebacker coach, that's, that's an advantage because you're in the middle of the defense. You understand the whole defense inside and out. You've got a big picture. Helps you with uh, defensive uh, play calling for sure. Anytime a linebacker coach usually has a little bit of an advantage as far as that goes. And Zach, there's no, there's no reason not to put Zach in that position in my mind right now, and I think he'll do a great job. But I also think he'll do a great job because of the support he's going to get from two veteran coaches who are great coaches, Chris Hewitt and Anthony Weaver. But so just real quick, John Harbaugh is through the 2025 season. So he's got two more seasons left on his contract. Yes. So next year would not be Correct. a lame duck season for them. But uh, but but there you go. Right. Right at the top, I think, to kind of put some of these these questions to bed in terms of could the Ravens have made an offer to Mike that he couldn't refuse? OK, maybe in the realm of possibility. But that wasn't happening. The Seattle Seahawks offered him a six-year contract. Yeah, Mike is 36. Unbelievable opportunity that now makes him the youngest head coach. You heard Harv say that he was excited for this opportunity. And so I think the, the there's this notion out there that Steve and the ownership group should have given Mike or done every exhausted all possible resources to keep him in Baltimore. It's just not feasible. It's just not re, it's, that's just not living in reality. Now, I know some say that, hey, well, no, it shouldn't have been to stay at D.C. It should have been to take over as the next head coach. But that, again, that's just, just not happening. Yeah. You know, he's riding with his guy. Harbaugh's going to get an opportunity here to uh, to right his wrongs, so to speak, 
in the postseason. Hopefully they'll have an opportunity to do that next year. There's a ton of pending free agents, a lot of turnover with the staff. You saw the challenges that that, that Philadelphia had to deal with this past season, having lost both their coordinators um, and with a one-and-done exit in the, in the playoffs that followed after that trip to the Super Bowl. So it's hard to sustain and maintain. Um, and we're, we're going to get to sort of the free agent picture in just a bit. But what were your thoughts on, on him talking about Mike Mack? Well, really not a lot. Like to me, it was like, it was never a question of whether they could keep him, but like I've, we've been saying that for weeks upon weeks upon weeks that he was going to be gone. Uh, I think we all knew that. So for them to ask, like, of course he couldn't keep him. Like what (laughs) head coach or defensive coordinator? I mean, I'd want to be a head coach over a defensive coordinator. Um, What I took more out of from that, that clip right there um, was two things. He spoke to, Zach's ability to play uh, call plays. So yeah. in Mike McDonald's case, he pl- he called plays for one year at Michigan. He was phenomenal. So you felt confident about that. Zach War hasn't had that, but Harbaugh doesn't appear to be too worried because a of his smarts, right? That he's been uh, been able to observe since 2014 when he was a player, and then now as a coach. And then the other thing, and and I was trying to look up so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder how true this is. So he was talking about how, how like the linebackers coach is usually in the middle of all the defense, like, cause they have to, he's got to coach his guys to like call plays and make sure everybody's in the right spot. So you already have an idea. It's not like you're honed in on just like pass rushers, right. And their technique and this and that, like you're in the middle of the defense and Mike McDonald was a linebackers coach before he became a defensive coordinator and granted it was with Michigan, I'd have to look up past guys, but um, a lot of times you want to look at who's the linebackers coach. Cause then that could be the next guy. Then the other thing, and this was pretty huge to me, he kind of caught himself cause that, cause Jeff Zubek followed up. He said, not only do I think he's going to be a good play caller because of how smart he is and, and his experience as a linebacker coach, he goes, but he's going to have a lot of help from Chris Hewitt and Anthony Weaver. And so we're all like, wait a minute, is Anthony staying? Like, because that's kind of been the coach, the the, yeah. the question, because first of all, he's still in the mix for defensive coordinator at the Dolphins. And second of all, like, it wouldn't be the most outrageous thing if Anthony Weaver was like, oh, you passed me up for Zach, so maybe I should go elsewhere, you know? Um, but to me, that that he said that, before even like so then jeff was like wait do you think he's staying he's like okay all right well that's a good question he's like because he is in the mix in 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 miami and he goes but i don't know if even if they offer i don't know if he's going to take it so to me that was an indication that perhaps they've been talking about about it behind closed doors and anthony weaver might be giving john harbaugh the indication that he's sticking around which be it would be a huge win because we talked about how many of these guys could be candidates for defensive coordinator or head coach. So to come away with Zach Orr as your defensive coordinator and hold on to Chris Hewitt and hold on to Anthony Weaver. And now the losses that you got with Mike McDonald and um, uh, Wilson, Denard Wilson, those are big losses. But the fact that you were able to keep three of those five, not a bad, not a bad day, not a bad, yeah. not a bad off season. For sure. And, and remember Anthony Weaver, just for those who, who need a refresher, he's John's associate assistant head coach. And also the he handles the entire defensive line front who had a tremendous year. He was also in the mix, as you kind of alluded to there, for several or at least one head coach opportunity in this year's cycle. 
that was the Washington Commanders. And um, if I'm actually John from a hiring standpoint, I like that decision to bring in Zach Orr having or, or promote Zach Orr over Anthony because think about it. If if he was in the mix this year for head coaching, it's like and he has in the past, by the way. Anthony's been all around the league, tremendous reputation, just hasn't gotten his opportunity yet. Um, I kind of like the thought having just lost Mike Mack after two short years. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea. All right, let's let's grow with a 31-year-old in Zach. Mm-hmm. instead of potentially putting us in this exact same position this time next year because Weave is getting his opportunity maybe at next year's hiring cycle from a head coach standpoint. So I like that, but also Anthony's going to have to make his decisions on what that means for him. He's still in the mix, like you said, down in Miami, so that'll be something to look out for uh, in the coming weeks as as teams start to kind of finalize what their 2024 picture looks like. Speaking of of the big picture – John was asked to kind of evaluate and look back at Lamar's year. Eric DaCosta did the same. Here's Harps. Lamar Jackson is a phenomenal success. He's a phenomenal success as a football player. He's a phenomenal success as a person, as a leader, uh, as a family man. But you're asking about the football player. He's there, in my opinion, he's the, he's, there's nobody better in this league, especially nobody better for the Baltimore Ravens and for this organization, for this city, and, uh, and just from a historical perspective. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about taking this offense to the next level next year. Uh, an opportunity to, to pick up where we are and, and, and dig deeper with what we can give him. You say, you say Lamar has the keys to the offense, okay? Now you build the offense, it's like setting up a car. We've got to build a car. We've got to set the car up. If Lamar's a driver, he's got to be involved in the setup of the car even more. Last year that wasn't even possible, right? This year he's going to be involved, and he's, we've talked about He's already involved about what we talked about yesterday in setting up that car. Now he comes in on the front end and he's talking to the guys about how the car's set up and exactly how these things need to be run. This year, every day was a new day in the offense, you know, right on through to the last part of the season. Next year, it won't be a new day every single day. And that's, that's pretty easy to figure out and, and, and make, it makes sense, right? But it's, it's real. And I'm looking forward to that next part of that process. Well, it could be a new day depending on what they do with the wide receiver room and running back room. Who's, there's a lot of decisions that sort of loom there terms of pending free agents and whatnot but i get the put the point point well take point received there's gonna be yes. a lot of returning receivers though the receivers no. yeah we'll get to that in a minute yeah, yeah yeah but but the point is is well received in that yeah i mean it feels like forever ago that we were talking about some of those growing pains in the first quarter of the season right whether it was the ball security whether it was gosh eight drops whether it was just trying to get the overall sense of having the keys at his disposal, line of scrimmage stuff, checks, you name it, everything that came with the freedom and the autonomy that Todd Munkin empowered him with. So hopefully, yeah, that 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 does kind of live to be true in year two for him and under Todd's system. All right. So I got a couple of things to say about that before we got the end of that clip. Um, the start of it, he kind of talked about um because they they asked because the, the big question was like how do because you you, you self evaluate all the time right so every single player and every single coach is going to they have to evaluate themselves and they have to do it on a very detailed level and they also have to do it from a big picture level and so when he was asked like about that he's like well you kind of have to look big picture when he's talking about Lamar he's like yeah this is the first year of the offense the first year. And so that's why he starts getting into this analogy of like building a car and then we can do that more. Um, 
but but he's like when you it's he's like you're he's basically saying you're not going to like to hear this because if you make it to the playoffs unless you win the super bowl you're going to end on a loss and so can you call anything then a success and then he puts his foot down he's like this was a phenomenally successful year for lamar when you look big picture and i agree like i think that i think that lamar took strides and we talked about it all year that were so good so good the way that the afc championship game notwithstanding the way lamar took control of this team from a leadership standpoint or from taking control at the line of scrimmage in that standpoint. And for the vast majority of the year, especially since the bye week, he had been sensational. He had the Superman plays. He had the game manager plays. He just felt, it just felt like he would, he was hitting so many of the right buttons. Right. So I agree with John Harbaugh that Lamar had a phenomenal year. And I said yesterday that I have no problem challenging people for like the next step, right? As phenomenal as the season was, Lamar did not have a great game in the, in the AFC championship. And, um, and if, if to me, the next step for Lamar, in addition to like them continuing to build this offense would be it is so close, Bobby. It's so close. It would be hitting more of those deep passes mm-hmm. because that will open up when they're blitzing you, and that will open up the RPOs and the, and the cans and all that kind of stuff. So there were so many huge steps that Lamar made this year, and you and he had some of his b- biggest critics. And by the way, they're back to being his critics, right? But even Stephen A. Smith said before that AFC championship game, ooh, I'm going to take Lamar over Patrick Mahomes. Now, Stephen A is like, he goes with the wind, right? So he's already back to criticizing Lamar, so you can't put too much stock into it. But you had people, even in the national media, being like, this is a different Lamar. This is a different Lamar. This is a different Lamar. And he was, he was, he was, he was, he was the more complete Lamar that we always wanted to see, that we never really quite got to see under Greg Roman. So he was more complete. Now it's going to be his challenge to even become one more step complete. To me, it was all year, just a little bit ahead of his guys on the deep passes, but I believe he can fix that. And then at the same time, we have that challenge for John. It's not, and I, I've been seeing people in the um, in the comment section argue over like Lamar or Harbaugh, Lamar or Harbaugh. Harbaugh did not have a good game plan. He did not come. And Lamar didn't have his best game. I don't think that John Harbaugh put Lamar in the best position. And, and then at the same time, uh, even in, you know, some of those deep throws, that's, that's, that's on Lamar, right? And so I don't feel the need to choose between Lamar and John. Like John didn't show up and Lamar didn't have his best game. And it's okay to see that. And to challenge both of them to grow where they can so that this doesn't happen again. It, it, it can't. And, and so at this point, you can keep complaining and whatnot, but I feel really happy about our quarterback. I mean, really happy. Each year, Lamar has answered the challenge. Each year, Lamar has grown. 
Now we need to see John grow and not get dictated to in the playoffs, but I feel great about the future with Lamar. And I agree with, I agree with Harbaugh. I feel like he had a phenomenal season, had a, had a rough going in the AFC championship game. And I don't need to choose between them. They both could have done better. And that's what we're going to need going forth in the playoffs. Games are often won and lost when it comes down to like a typically a handful of plays, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe somewhere between two and five plays. Imagine you take imagine yeah. you take away two plays. One, Zay Flowers carries his forward momentum into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Two, Lamar Jackson ignores Isaiah Likely mossing and saying, hey, I'm open and doesn't force it into triple coverage. We could literally, the entire jargon, the entire narrative and, and conversation and dialogue and dissection that we've right. done over right. the last five days yeah. would be completely different. It, you're, they didn't play right. well enough to win. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't excuse this dissection that we've gone through. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it that way, maybe that allows for that optimism for that reason for hope going into year two in this Todd Munkin led offense going into a year where you have now faced the dynasty in the postseason in a do or die situation. You can use those marks. You can look, lick your wounds and be back and be better in 2024. But think about it. Two plays. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what? That's Because we've been so focused on the game plan and rightfully so, like it was atrocious. You're right. We haven't talked enough about the turnovers. Like when you have three turnovers, you know, as bad as the game plan was, like, or even if it was a good plan, even if it was a good game plan, three turnovers are going to, are going to kill you. So, um, but yeah, I think we've rightfully been focused on the game plan, but we haven't talked enough about three turnovers against the Chiefs. Yeah. Because if you don't play mistake free, if, if, if you can't play mistake free football in the postseason, much less against Kansas City, who does every seemingly does every single time Patrick Mahomes and that group 
step out on the field in January and February, you're not going to be able to win games consistently. They could not overcome that. They couldn't overcome the lack of a game plan. Yeah. But when you turn the ball over three times, in a sense, the conversation should have started there. You know, all week long should have started there. But big picture, because this is now a repeat offense, that, it began. It began it's yes. that it keeps happening in the playoffs. You don't look like yourself, so you have to go to coaching first. And that's yes, why we began, it at, yes. we began it that way accordingly due to that. So yep. anyway. All right, we got more notes to get through as well. And we'll kind of transition this part to some big picture conversations about specific individuals, whether it be pending free agents or guys whose futures perhaps are in question based on performance or availability. Ronnie Stanley comes to mind when it comes to both of those areas. And here's Eric DaCosta talking about it. And shout out Luke Jones, man. I included his question that he asked in this for a reason, Sarah, because – Going off of what we talked about yesterday, it's not easy in these high-pressure moments when you're under the gun and you're going up against your peers trying to get a question in to yeah. ask a clear and concise one that resonates. I love listen Luke. To, listen to this. He put yeah. on a master class with this one. Eric, by his own admission, Ron Stanley the other day expressed disappointment in how he played this year. We know how the last few years have gone with him health-wise and lack of availability. But given where he is with his health performance and also with his compensation level, where is the organization with him and his left tackle position you need to start maybe looking at more carefully in a big picture sense? Well, I think the offensive line is always going to be something that we stress here. You know, we're going to continue to look at that every single year. Particularly as you get older, you know, uh, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher for guys to stay healthy. And unfortunately, Ronnie, no fault of his own, but he has had, you know, a series of injuries that have hurt him, hurt his performance, uh, the ankle, and then a series of knee injuries. And so that's definitely been a factor. You know, uh, I love Ronnie. Uh, he's still a talented player. I think this is going to be a big offseason for him getting himself healthy, getting himself strong again, coming back in great football shape. We'll make all those personnel decisions over the coming weeks, what we decide to do. But as far as the position in general, I definitely think, you know, when Coach said this in 2008 when we interviewed him. He said we're always going to have a strong, physical, big offensive line, and that's kind of bled into the culture of this place and who we are as an organization. We're going to continue to do that. Sarah, let's not forget, um, he, he did not, he was one of those those players that did not have a good game on, on Sunday against Kansas City, did Ronnie. But he had a tremendous game without rotating, without a rotation the week prior against the Houston Texans. And as the season started to draw towards a close, it kind of became clear. Is Ronnie starting to get healthy? Like is does Ronnie is Ronnie looking his best? given everything that's taken place that we've seen since that ankle injury, since the knee injuries that have come up in doses throughout the last year or so. And yet then he leaves it all sort of with a sour taste in our mouth after Sunday, including that one brutal rep against Charles Amenehu, which led to the sack strip. Um, Eric didn't really answer the question. I, th- I don't wouldn't have expected him to. But clearly, uh, whether it's through the draft, probably is going to have to be through the draft. Left Franchise left tackles don't just come up, pop up out of nowhere in free agency. That's going to have to be a position that they address at some point here down the stretch of his, um, you know, the final years of his contract. If the question is, is Ronnie going to like be back next year? He definitely answered that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what a lot of fans are saying is that he shouldn't be, but... 
Do you think uh, that was the question that Luke was trying to get at? No, I'm just saying, I'm saying for fans, fans if, if they yeah. have any sort of like thought that Ronnie needs to go, just, just know the he's going to be back. And I felt like Eric essentially confirmed it there when he said this is going to be a big off season for, for Ronnie and yeah. getting healthy and all that kind of stuff. And so he answered that question. Now what he did say several times, um, kind of in passing from other questions, I think he's going to attack the offensive line again. I think that if you look at the transactions, it seems like every year there's like a, a position that it's like, whoa, they're going hard on this. And I feel like wide receiver was that last year when they drafted Zay and then they got Nelly and they got OBJ and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think this year that'll be the offensive line. You obviously have your, your center and Linderbaum. Uh, I believe Ronnie Stanley will be your starting, starting left tackle next year. But both guard positions are up in the air. He said he's had conversations with Zeitler. Yep, we'll um, get to that in just a bit. Okay, we'll get to that. But he he said in that clip too, he said, it's going to be our goal. And he, and, and he said, I know it's not a sexy position. My boys don't like it. He's like, but it's tremendous. And we want a physical offensive line. He wants it. He said, like, he said that more than once here. And so I think that you're going to see them make both in the draft and free agency several moves along the offensive line, in part because they need it with these free agents, but also in part because I think they want to upgrade. I'd love to see them find that next front, that that next left tackle that can come in and learn under Ronnie next mm -hmm. year. This is kind of what we were getting at earlier in the week, right? Bring him in. Maybe it's a mid-round pick. You you mentioned it, Daniel Jeremiah said it's a very deep we got to definitely try to get him on before the draft. He's a busy guy, but Daniel Jeremiah, former Raven scout now is just entrenched in, in the, the player prospect side of things and player personnel. Um, he says he's super deep at that position. Bring him in, learn under Ronnie, hope, hope Ronnie stays available and healthy next year. And then that transition can kind of seamlessly happen. Hopefully that's in an ideal case world. So that'll be something to watch as we near closer to this year's NFL draft coming up in April. And by the way, like with Ronnie, we always say it when he's healthy, he plays phenomenally, but that is the question. Yeah. Can Ronnie stay healthy? Yep. Like, can we get 17 games out of Ronnie Stanley? That <laughs> is the question. It's not about if he's healthy, can he play well? He does. Can oh, you stay healthy? Let's yeah. go. I don't have a lot of confidence in that, unfortunately, yeah. especially when you are that that kind of size and, and you've had that kind of injury history now at such a young age, grand mm -hmm. scheme of things. He's got a lot of NFL miles under his tires, all things considered. Speaking of a guy who, I mean, you, you want to talk about optimism or lack thereof around availability, that's Tyus Bowser. And the the mystery just became more mysterious, I think. <laughs> that's been an ongoing get mystery. More mysterious? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure you possibly could. Tyus did not play at all this year. There were questions aimed at John Harbaugh seemingly throughout, I don't know, every other week throughout the first half of the season. And at some point the reporters just stopped asking, because what could you possibly get out of what was something that was just so vague, so unclear? What happened to Tyus Bowser? Here's Eric DaCosta. What happened with Tyus Bowser? And it's kind of a mystery all year. And where does that leave his status going forward? Yeah, you know, unfortunate for Tyus. He couldn't play this year. Um, can't really get into all the different specifics of that, as you guys know, uh, how we handle the injuries. I think 
Tyus has probably talked about it in some way. Uh, he had an injury, uh, unfortunate, and uh, you know wasn't able to play. And we'll have to continue to assess that in the coming weeks to see where he stands with that injury. Um, you know, great man, uh, a, a good player for us. Just a tough deal for him this year, uh, and we'll have to deal with it. So, Sarah, one more year under contract for him. He's set to hit unrestricted free agency in 2025. So he's that'll not, be. Listen, I can't imagine. Hey, I can't. I that's just what can't I was say. I'm, I'm not like I said the other day. I don't feel comfortable calling for people's jobs, but but like I feel comfortable yeah. making a prediction about their jobs. Hey, can if, I cut you he, off real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I just got a package delivered, so I'll, I'll be right back, all right? Okay. <laughs> porch porch thieves over here in Baltimore, all right? I'll, I'll yeah, be right back. Yeah, go get your package. So uh, it, I'm not – listen, if, he, if, if Tyus Bowser were on the roster in 2024, he would have a 7.5 million cap hit. 7.5 million cap hit. And I don't know what's going to happen this off season and when that 7.5 becomes guaranteed. But if you're coming up to March and you need money on the cap, the dead money for, for Tyus Bauer, Bowser is only $2 million. It's only 2 million. So 7.5 versus two, 2 million in cap hit. That was quick, Bobby. Um, you're going to like it. It's just an easy place to get money for a guy that you're like, you never could answer whether or not you could play. I don't know that he can give them an answer even still to this day. Yeah. So I I have a hard, let me put it this way. I have a hard time seeing Tyus Bowser on this team with this current contract. If he's back, he's going to have to agree to a massive pay cut. No doubt. You're going to like this by the way. So I think, <gasps> I think is this is I think this is the headset. Nice. So Sarah and I are going to be out in Vegas next week. Looking forward to broadcasting at Radio Row from Super Bowl 58 for the first time. And in order to be since 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 we don't live in the same area, we needed to get some equipment to make sure that we could be side by side. And we can and hear each other with all the noise going on. And yes. effectively give you a show next week, which will be fun. I know there's, there's going to be a Zach Orr press conference that we're going to have to react to. Uh, but I needed to get some equipment, not just for you, but in the future. And I realized this on, on Sunday at the pregame well, show. I, and I ordered one myself because we're going to need one for a guest. For sure, which hopefully will be Roquan that we'll be catching up with, who will be out there as a candidate for the Walter Payton Man of the Year, as will Brian Billick. He'll be out there, so hopefully we can catch up with those two guys. Marcus Williams, I'm hearing, is going to be out there as well. Um, but, I bet but yeah, Marlo's out there. Do you imagine Marlo not out there? He's going to be gonna, out he'll there. Be, he'll be there. Um, but, yeah, Brandon Hyde couldn't hear me on Sunday at the pregame show. And so we were, we were staged right of a tailgate and he couldn't hear me. I'm like, you know what? I need to get a second headset. So anyway, that just came in. And when you live in Baltimore, you got to get it immediately or else it's going to get snatched. <laughs> okay. So that's the Tyus Bowser conversation. Unfortunately, speaking of clarity, we have absolutely nothing for you along those lines. Eric did, uh, did say that, um, or didn't say whether or not the team would potentially place that franchise tag on Justin Matabike, who had a career year and a contract year. So if they can't reach a long-term, long-term deal with him before free agency, that might be a likely route that they take for that. He also didn't comment on Patrick Queen. We all know that 
He more than likely has priced his way out of Baltimore, given that they drafted Trenton Simpson, given the money that they have on the books to Roquan Smith, given that they they declined his fifth-year option in May, and given that, let's be honest, PQ had a career year and all of a sudden is now looked at as one of the game's premier inside linebackers, which is really cool for him. And uh, it'll be tough to see him go if that's if that ends up happening this this offseason. But like we've like we've said a couple different times, Sarah, it, it'll be uh, money well-earned, whoever ends up paying him. Here's the Kevin Zeitler. Um, and let me just get this off the screen so you guys can see fully. Brian McFarland, Raven salary cap analyst, quote tweeted Jeff Zarebeck, who just had the, the transcription of what EDC had to say on Kevin. He is a first-time Pro Bowler, by the way. He got in thanks to Joe Tooney being ruled out with that, with that injury that sidelined him. Uh, last Sunday for the Chiefs at the guard position. But anyway, um, so he said that uh, he and Zeitler met last week and they talked about the contract. They'll continue to talk to him. And Brian added on this. This is probably earlier than usual for contract talks, but with good reason. If they want to retain any of the following, Kevin Zeitler, Nelson Aguilar, Geno Stone, Gus Edwards, or Rocky Asin, deals must be done before their contracts void on February 19th in order to avoid the acceleration of the void year prorations into 2024. The void years, as we've learned or been reminded of with the OBJ contract, essentially kicks that cash down the line. Let's go full screen for this one. Brian goes on to say, those players can still be re-signed after that, but they would then need to account for both the dead money from the void years acceleration and the cost of the new deal on the cap. So they need to be proactive with those they want to retain. If no deals are done before the 19th, the dead money would be as follows. And you see Ooh, Kevin Zeitler, he, he leads that he, he leads that group. So it could be a busy month here, a busy couple of weeks for EDC decision-making-wise. But, but Zeitler leads that group for the audio-only audience at $4.268 million. Uh, the total dead money, if none of these players are re-signed that I just mentioned, before the 19th would be just under 10 million. So if an extension is reached before the 19th for Zeitler, for example, as, as Brian notes, the 1.067 million annual prorations, which is 4.268 million over four years uh, would stay in place and not accelerate into 2024. His cap number for 2024 would then be the just over 1.067 million plus the 2024 cap number from his new deal. So basically what I'm reading here is that there could be a little bit of uh, incentive to try and get a deal done with Kevin to avoid that dead money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not just a little incentive, a 4.2, 4.3 million dollar incentive. I mean, that's a lot of dead money and he's still playing at a high level to the point that he's, Yes, he was an alternate, but Pro Bowl. But we all know he's been playing at a Pro Bowl level since really he's gotten here. It's so. a popularity contest. Yeah. Oh, unless Zeitler just doesn't want to come back. I think Zeitler's coming back with all, you know, with this information. Uh, and we'll get to this when we get to the wide receivers. Stone is basically nothing, right? Like, that's not going to hurt you. Yep. When I say Stone is basically nothing, I'm not saying him as a player. I'm talking about his $600,000. Yep. In NFL <laughs> that, terms. Just wanna, yes, just want to make that clear. $600,000 is nothing in, in cap money in terms of, of dead money. Uh, I, not only because of this number of $1.7 of of um, dead money that he would have because of the void years, 
I really like the idea of Aguilar coming back. And, you know, like, I just feel like, I don't know, these Florida boys, they have, they have chemistry. And I like him as the number three wide receiver. I he was like a glue him. guy, Sarah. What's that? I view, sorry to interrupt. I viewed him as a glue guy this year. Numbers aren't going to pop off the page. Yeah. For what they brought him in as and the way that he fortified that group and came up with some big catches and also provided for kind of added to that culture, like you're saying, from the South Florida standpoint. Uh, I think there's absolutely reason to bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. There's absolutely reason. Uh, Yasin, I don't know so much about. Stone, I think, is as good as gone just because, I mean, I think he ended up with the second most interceptions out of all the safeties in the league this year. And that's when he just had it was like that cluster of games, right? While, while Williams was out. So, and then Gus, how, where, where are you at with Gus? Like, I, I'm worried about his future in Baltimore. Yeah. I don't, I don't, like I don't I, think he, uh, I don't first know. Of all, if you're not going to use them, you know what I mean? That's number one. <laughs> yeah. Number two, um, he's 29 and in running back age, that's, that's getting up there. Yeah. So he's my, as much as I love Gus, it's, it's, it's I feel more confident out of everybody that Zeitler would be back. And and then of the rest of the list, I would like to see Aguilar back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this running back room is going to look really – it could look a little different next year. You know, Justice Hill's under contract. And you know they want a future with Keith Mitchell. But Gus and J.K., big question marks around them, swirling around them. Yeah. For sure. All right, let's continue the conversation here. Let's see. What else do we so have? You brought you? up Justin Matabike. Did you, was he, basically, I don't know if you have a clip on that, um, but basically, nah. basically Matabike is this year's version of Lamar contract situation, um, negotiations, obviously nowhere near, uh, will get nowhere near the attention that Lamar got, uh, and rightfully so, but it's, it's the big one this year. And, EDC was like, just straight up said, I really don't want to talk about it. He's like, I learned from, from Lamar's like the less you talk about, the better it is, you know? And so he does not want to mess this up. The fact that he was so careful about it and he somewhat connected it to Lamar that he's like, I, I learned from that not to talk that I was like, he wants Matabike. I think, I think the Ravens are going to put their best foot forward with Matabike and if that's not good good enough for him, then I think they're going to tag him. I think it, I think just by him being so careful about not wanting to talk about it, I was like, oh, you said everything by saying nothing. <laughs> they're, they're, well said. They're, they're yeah. going to do everything possible to keep that homegrown Raven in Baltimore who put yeah. up an Aaron Donald type of year, statistically speaking. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, you can't put a you can't really put a price tag. Well, you can, but uh, on his importance, that defensive line. Along the lines of uh, surgeries, just things that they're very minor. But John was feeling, I guess, generous. He said that uh, Morgan Moses is deciding whether or not to have one. Didn't mention what specifically. I think it's, I feel like it might be an upper body. He seemed like he was laboring in the yeah, shoulder area. He, yeah, there was something in the shoulder or peck or something. It was definitely yeah. up, up high. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you talk about a warrior. I know he struggled at times down the stretch, but Morgan probably could have missed a lot of games if he wanted to. <laughs> and he, he hung in there and that's probably what led to the rotation too. Um, his, his, his overall health or lack thereof. Then uh, Adafi Owe had thumb surgery. He's going to be on a six to eight week timetable. So no problem whatsoever for training camp and whatnot next summer. 
And yeah, that was it. So along the lines of surgeries, at least what we know, or at least what he was willing to divulge, not a lot of newsworthy notes there. Well, and it's really good news, right? Like um, you got the thumb. Okay. You can deal with that six to eight weeks. Uh, Morgan Moses, you know, uh, just, just not a lot. The, the, the big injuries. And it's so, I'm so happy to say this. There aren't like these massive, massive injuries coming out of the season. Like, a, or I shouldn't say there's not a ton of them because there are going to be few to me. It's Keaton Mitchell. That's the biggest because it was late in the season that it happened. Yep. So Keaton Mitchell, I think is the biggest one to watch David Jabba. Weren't they flirting with bringing him back <sighs> for like a minute? So from, from what? Well, remember he came back and then he got injured again. Uh, somebody's going to have to shut him down, but then he, I'm pretty sure then he opted or somebody opted to do surgery. That was it. They were trying to decide whether or not he would have surgery. Yeah. And then they ended up shutting it all down. So he probably had to have surgery. I think that was it. But that was not long after earlier in the season. That yeah. Maybe around London or so. Nick is saying Ojabo partially torn ACL. Yeah, so, that, that was around London, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. So yeah, it was October, right? Yeah. So you think if if it was, if Nick's right that it was a partially torn ACL, you'd think that he could be back. Um, to Pepe Williams, it was more like stuff here and there that he just couldn't get over. J.K. Dobbins, but he's going to be a free agent. I, I just don't think. I don't think. I don't. I wouldn't predict that he'll be back. So to me, Keaton Mitchell, David Ojabo, the big ones to watch. No doubt. Yeah. And hopefully Mark with, with a full, a full off season, not like an extremely, you know, sort of like accelerated rehab process 70 days after a significant ankle injury. Hopefully he'll be coming back at 110% uh, come training camp time for Mark. So that's that Um, pending free agents. It's a long list. We've already mentioned a few of them. Odell Beckham Jr. And Nelson Aguilar are the wide receivers. Devin Duvernay, is on this list as well at a wide receiver. Uh, Brent Urban is on this, and it just got me thinking because Kate Urban, his wife, tweeted this, and then later <laughs> in that same thread was like, no, 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 we're just going back home. Like, I'm not telling you guys what's going on. She said, uh, see you, Baltimore. Thanks for a fun reunion. Having Levi born in the city where Brent and I met almost 10 years ago was truly so special. Friends and family being close by. I'll never forget this past season. Love you forever, Ravens flock. Of course, Brent. A uh, great staple from of depth and back with his second stint with the Ravens on the, on the defensive line. He is a pending free agent. But like I said, uh, I think a lot of people were like, oh, my God, does this mean it's over for, for Brenton Baltimore? It could be. But then Kate in the same thread came back and was like, we're just moving back home for the offseason. Don't worry. Yeah. So that's yeah. that. Um, you did, we didn't get a Patrick Queen clip, right? No. Okay. So basically, AD, EDC was asked, like, looking back. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about not exercising the fifth year option? He's like, well, he had a Pro Bowl year. He's probably one of the best inside linebackers in there. He's like, you never know how it's going to work. And he said it's even still hard to really decide. He goes, because if we had done the fifth year option, then you don't have money to, to sign somebody else. So yeah. he's basically saying, let's see who what we use with that money. And then yeah. we can kind of decide if it was like the right call or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it's money that helped bring back Matabike or something like that then he's like then then maybe it wasn't the wrong decision and maybe that's really what they're they're kind of looking at and banking on a young banking on like kind of like the Ray Lewis effect where it was like you could put a lot of inside linebackers next to him and he would help them become great um the other thing I wanted to like 
touch on, and I, I really want to dive deeper into this. I was watching um, Coach Evans' um, film study. He, he went through every single offensive play. Sip the tally, baby. Sip the tally. There you go. That is right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And um, two things stood out to me that hadn't already stood out to me. One, Justice Hill had very bad pass protection in that AFC championship game. Like I can't tell me I tell you how many times he either whiffed or got blown up and there was pressure on Lamar like immediately. Shocking so, for justice standards. Yeah, because justice has been good. And and in this press conference, they talked about him as an unsung hero. And I agree from from like a running perspective, but in that AFC championship game, he was not good with pass protection. The second thing that stood out to me is how often uh, Bateman was open. Oh, man. I, I'm telling you, Bobby. Yeah. I mean, so open. And and time and time and time again, the ball didn't come to him. So I don't know if that's a progression issue or a chemistry issue slash trust issue between him and Lamar. I don't know. But what I do know is he's open and he's an open a lot. Oh, yeah. So when EDC and okay, it was funny. Harbaugh didn't quite like it. Somebody asked Harbaugh uh, about the disconnect between Bateman and Lamar. And John was like, I don't even have anything to say to that because I wouldn't even describe it that way, a disconnect. So it's like, okay, then it's a progression issue. If it's not a disconnect issue, then it's a progression issue because that man is open. Do you remember the graph? Early on in the season, yes. the target per separation, yards per separation, like the guy was way out in front of the field. Like it's this graph and there's a bunch of dots for players. And it's like, I don't know what the what the different coordinates were, but it was like the one metric was was like targets and then the others were like yards per separation or something along those lines, right? And there's right. a bunch of players in the middle. Rashad is like way out in the right where you want to be. And yet right. the stats that go along with it, are so uneven. It's like, wait, what? That doesn't match up. Yeah. So whatever the reason is, that's got to change because because basically the question to EDC then was, um, like, do you feel like there's going to be a lot of change at wide receiver? And then EDC was like, well, I mean, there is Devin DuVernay that's a free agent and then OBJ and then Aguilar, right? And yeah. he's uh, he said that we will have conversations. I couldn't remember if on this one he said we've started conversations. Um I I don't foresee OBJ coming back unless he just was like, guys, I want to come back, bring me back. Um, but, but I don't foresee it because what they were talking was what, what EDC basically was like, I'm really excited about Zay and bait. Really excited about that. Bobby, if you go and watch like the all 22, <laughs> you'd be excited about Bateman too, because he's showing what everybody was excited about coming out of the draft. Like it's crazy, but I'm telling you against like, these all pro corners, he's like tearing them apart and Dusting getting them. open. Dusting them. And yeah. so, like, fix that. Fix that between Todd, Harbaugh, Lamar, yes. Bateman, everybody. Because if you start going, if, if it was purely because OBJ's out there and you've got Mark and you got Isaiah and all that, and it was just like he's later in the progression, move him up in the progression. Because I do like, I want more depth. Like, I want Aguilar back. But like, I do like Zay, bait if you throw it to him. Isaiah and Mark, and then maybe Aguilar is like the the, the third option at wide receiver. Like yeah. that's a solid receiving core. Yeah. So they just got to fix whatever's going on there because he is open. I'd like to see them add into that group, whether it's through the draft or free agency. Probably going to have to be through the draft, just given 
because remember Eric also talked about just briefly related to living in in this this era now where you you have some significant money tied into your franchise quarterback and it's going to get harder and harder to team build and spend money as the years go on in that contract that's just the reality of the way that it's structured um i would love to see them go after a true big body yeah. like x wide receiver to be added into that group i think it's probably time to part ways with obj I'm not sure if it, it makes sense for them to bring him back. He may get more elsewhere. Not sure where that would be based on what he put out on tape this year. Um, do you see a, a future for for OBJ in Baltimore? So here's uh, not necessarily in Baltimore, but here's what um, and maybe maybe injuries had something to do with it. I just think that OBJ, he's still and this is, again, watching film from various guys, including Coach Evans. It, when you go back and look at the tape, he clearly has a great release still. So, but, but when he goes deep, he's not getting as much separation. Now he still has, can yeah. have these circus, circus catches, but he's not getting as much separation as he once did, what, did whether that's age or injuries or, or both. Um, so to me, he, he makes a great possession receiver. And I wish we started to see that in the fourth quarter, like Lamar started hitting OBJ more as like a possession receiver, like get that first down. That's what you, that's what you want. So I see him still having in, plenty in, in the tank, especially as a possession receiver, but do I see it in Baltimore? Not unless he like really wants to come back and wants to come at a much less lower price. But if I had to make a prediction, I would say that he's not returning. Yeah. So Zay. We both we both like the idea of bringing back Nelson uh, Bateman. Hopefully, could be that true number two. You bring in that rookie, maybe potentially big body. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you got four right there. Yeah. So, and then you got Mark Isaiah and Charlie again. Mark uh, Isaiah and but, Charlie are going to be your guaranteed tight ends that make the fifty-three. And then maybe you make Tylen your returner instead of Duvernay. Maybe Tylen, yeah, because. Yeah, because Duver- yeah, Duvernay is one of the pending free agents that we just talked right. about. So if you feel good enough about what Tylen gave you this year, of course, he, he won you a game <laughs> against the Rams. Yeah. Uh, was banged up a little bit towards the end. Maybe he can fill in that slot. Yeah, you'd um, have to have a couple more coming in behind him for sure to, 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 to bring yeah. him up. But Tylen could be the starter there. Yeah. And by the way, I- Keaton could be one of those depth guys if he's if he's healthy. You know, he – he was getting reps. I remember. Did he do punt returns or because I know for sure kick returns, but I don't remember him doing punt returns. Well, yeah, I don't either. One of those okay. two. But uh, and then obviously there's a bunch of different questions that remain for the running back room. Yeah, including by the way, one of those pending free agents is Dalvin Cook. So didn't get much use of him out of your playoff run, now did you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I just saw what I think is a silly comment, but everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Trademark Mark Andrews, guys. We want more talent. Is that, is that not, Kadri? Is, not, is that Kadri yeah, over is there? That Kadri? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't understand. Like we want more talent. Like if Isaiah likely were to get injured. And you had traded Mark Andrews. What what are we doing here, guys? We that's a challenge to Todd Munkin for sure is to get these yeah. two tight end sets for both these guys are going. Like to me, I want to see Isaiah, Mark, Zay, and Bateman going off right Oof. with some glue guys, like you said, with Aguilar here and there. But like uh, as soon as we have like it, it's kind of like the idea like when we we've had so many good safeties so many years in a row, right? Like you don't just like ship that off. You like, you play into it. Like you use it to your advantage. You don't ship it off. No. So no, I, I do not want to trade Mark Andrews. Heck no. But everybody's Heck entitled no. to their own opinions. 
couple super chats came in, which we appreciate. JR says, well, you guys do a meetup for the Ravens flock. We'll be in Vegas. Would be awesome to meet you too. Appreciate you, JR. Uh, hey, if you guys are out there, there are going to be some opportunities. So I'm going to be sort of having dual responsibilities while I'm there. Jake Asman, who is a content creator for the Jets, is the only reason why this is happening yep. for me and for us. For us. Um, he and I went out there, at, did a conference, did a content creators conference back in August, made some relationships and thanks to some uh, things that he cultivated. This is the reason why that's happening. So he and I are actually doing, we're doing like a watch party type thing on Thursday from seven to nine local time at Circa, Circa Las Vegas Resort, which is just off the strip. Uh, I know I'm staying in old Vegas. You're staying in the suburbs with your best friend. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to do as many things as we can. We don't have anything planned other than just daily content together in person for where we can meet up, JR. Uh, But we'll definitely make those announcements if they come to be. And assuming that you're out there, JR, or you're there, uh, hit us up. Hit us up on social media. We're not hard to find. Yeah. I'm as flexible as flexible can be. I'm like, I got my mother-in-law. My kids will be here. Like I'm as I'm all in, I'm all in whatever, whatever comes up, we will do. That's exciting. I'm excited. It's going to be a little different, different change of scenery for us. We fly out next week. So be on the lookout for that a little bit of a different, uh, different type of format. Um, Do you think Jim back in the NFL would push John to improve since they have a brotherly rivalry? I'm so reaching here. It's going to bring out the best of them. We all know that competitive fire between the Harbaugh's crazy day yesterday. Jim is at the introductory press conference as the newest head coach of the Chargers. Um, Zach Orr is being hired in Baltimore. Mike McDonald's being introduced as the newest head coach in Seattle. Like yesterday was a crazy day. The Orioles pull off a blockbuster trade, bringing in one of the game's best pitchers and a former Cy Young Award winner in Corbin Burns. Then the the ownership just sold earlier in the in the week. It's been an absurd week since this loss came to be on <laughs> Sunday. There's so much going on. Yeah. And yeah. we haven't even talked about Mark Andrews, the hero, who helped save a woman's life on a Southwest oh, Airlines man. flight. Oh, man. Did you hit it on Quick Kids so, after I left? Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. good, good, but good. Together, good. I just thought, yeah, like – Mark is Crazy. Mark is the man. He is the man, and and as it, I know, he is, inspires quite a few within that diabetic community too. Yeah, so, yeah. Somebody who literally gets his blood blood drawn in game. Like the guy is. Yep. Like several times. Like almost on every series. It's crazy. The guy's incredible. Okay, partner. Well, this is sort of the uh, the turning of a chapter, right? The end of season yep. press conference sort of marks. The finality, at least right now, of, of the 2023-24 season. So we're going to start to kind of turn the page as well. Next week we'll be out in Vegas, like we mentioned, working from Radio Row. We're hoping, look, we're going to hope to track down people like Roquan, Brian Billick, Marcus Williams, and anybody else who is in Vegas. Let us know if you see people on social media that you think we should go after. Um, look, it's a frenzy. I've never been to a Super Bowl, but I've been to two Olympics and worked them intensely for a month. And so I, I know what these are like. You do too, having actually been to one uh, in New Orleans. I've been, Have to, you been Super to more Bowl, than, but I was on maternity yeah. leave. And so I was not working, but I was okay. there and I just played the whole time. So, uh, <laughs> but yes, it is a frenzy. Yeah. So, so just like you guys do, what I'm getting at is just like you guys do 
with content when you hit us up about that. If you see somebody's in, in Vegas that you think we should get after and try and get on the show, just hit us up about it, whether it be tagging, DMing, whatever, because there's going to be so many people descending onto Vegas that it might just be hard for us to to fully have a, a full throttle on it. So we appreciate you guys as always. Thanks for a fantastic season. Um, please consider subscribing to both the vault and the Bobby Baltimore YouTube channels for daily Ravens content. If you don't already like this specific video, if you enjoyed this one and uh, yeah, anything else before we jump? I'm sure we'll be back Monday morning with pro bowl content. Yeah. There'll be who knows what'll come out of that. There's always something. There's always something. I'm not even talking about the game. There's always something. Somebody said something. It's uh, so we'll, we'll be on the lookout for that along with, with other stuff. There's, there's still so much content to get to. Always, always. I'm wheels up on Tuesday. How about you? Me too. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, I leave at three twenty on Tuesday. What are you? Okay. Uh, 12, 12, 30, maybe from All DC. Right. So okay. got to get down to shout out ride thoroughbred. They're transporting me down to, uh, to Washington Dulles. So shout out Trevor Ellison. My husband will be taking me <laughs> hey, shout out, shout out Trevor who crushed his speech yesterday. I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, you guys are the best. This was, this is a lot of fun. And, and now the off season begins. I'm going to be building a new studio in my new place in Canton. Um, gosh what else there's gonna be so much to so much to do we got a lot to lot to we're, we got a lot to build too like we yeah, got a lot, a lot on our to-do to list in terms of what we want to kind of get after any feedback is always welcome baltimore ravens vault at gmail.com if you think that you guys have recommendations suggestions any kind of feedback whether it's negative positive or anywhere in the middle we want to hear from you and maybe we'll implement it into our 2024 plan. So for Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this end of season press conference dissection. You guys are the best. Next time you hear from us, we'll be getting ready for Vegas. So appreciate you guys. Have an awesome weekend.